a festival of entertainment it was last night at the old hockey rink. But the result is what counts, I guess. I mean, I didn't pay to get in. And the result especially counts on a night where the Rangers lost, Columbus lost, and the Devils lost. As of right now, the Penguins are in the playoffs and with a two-point cushion. Sweet sassy Mo Lassie. The architect of last night's win. He's number three on your depth chart, but number one in your hearts. And maybe, kind of, right now, number one on your depth chart. Casey DeSmith joins the program at 3.30. That's just 30 minutes away. DeSmith made 34 saves last night, including a couple of legit beauties. JSD got his first NHL goal on a great feed from Brian Rust. And Phil Kessel made the sweet dish to Jake Ensel for some third period insurance. It's double M on the X. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. Here's something disturbing. The Flyers won last night. The Flyers have won four straight. The Flyers sit third in the Metro. The Flyers are a point ahead of the Penguins. That is something that needs to be fixed and pronto. Then again, what if the Penguins and Flyers played in the first round of the playoffs? I'd like to see that. The big dilemma locally is the Steelers still haven't fired Mike Tomlin. Everybody is sitting shiva over that one because the hopes of the Steelers in 2018 are already absolutely dead. Ha! People are still demanding, but it's not going to happen. Yesterday, I put forth the notion that the Steelers should kick their players off social media. All I heard was, you can't do that! You can't do that! I heard it from Stan. I heard it from callers. I heard it on Twitter. You can't do that! Okay, why can't you do that? Tell me specifically why the Steelers can't kick their players off Twitter. Because I have yet to hear a legitimate answer. If the Steelers don't manufacture more discipline, focus, and professionalism, they will continue to not win Super Bowls despite having a roster good enough to do so. Yeah, they went 13-3. and Look at the lineup. Look at the talent. Look at the players. Look at the all pros. Look at the pro bowlers. They should have done that. And they should have done better than that. So if you're happy with 13 and 3, your expectations were too low. Talent isn't enough. I think the Steelers have proven that recently, time and again. They certainly proved it this year. Be on time. No social media. That's my foundation of focus. I wrote a column about it. Check it out at triblive.com. We have Le'Veon Bell news. At the Pro Bowl, Bell says Tomlin knew he was going to be late to the walkthrough the day before the Jacksonville game. Bell says he had a prior excuse and Tomlin cleared it. I don't believe that for one second. Webb Bell also says he and the Steelers are closer on a long-term contract. 
unless Bell has lowered his demand significantly. I don't believe that for one second. But Lev Bell was on time for practice at the Pro Bowl. He's a changed man. I can't imagine any reason, any reason where Tomlin would tell Lev Bell it was okay to be late for the walkthrough the day before a playoff game. You tell me, what would be a good reason? Did Bell have to meet his dealer, his rap producer? What? What coach would okay a player being late to a walkthrough? But here's a sad truth. If any coach would, it's Mike Tomlin. I actually have a poll up on Twitter about this. I should do that more often, Twitter polls, and get them sponsored and make some money. I have 120-whatever-odd Twitter followers. Who wants to sponsor my Twitter polls and give me money? Apply within. The Twitter poll is, do you believe Lev Bell, what he says Mike Tomlin, excused his absence in advance when he was late, missed all but five minutes of the walkthrough the day before the Jacksonville game. Vote now at Mark Madden X. By the way, here's another interesting Lev Bell stat. For those of you who want to keep him no matter what and pay him whatever it takes. This past season, Lev Bell got two yards or less on 40% of his runs. Two yards or less on 40% of his runs. That is not good. James Harrison's in the news. He's going to play in the Super Bowl. Some of you may have heard that. And uh, Debo told USA Today he doesn't know if the Steelers disrespected him or not. Not sure about the disrespect. Harrison says the Steelers made a business decision, and then so did he. Yay, Debo! I was on DVE this morning, and Randy Bauman is right. It's incredible that Tomlin let Garrett Blunt go to New England, and then he made the same mistake again and let Harrison go to New England. Anyway, let's get back to the Penguins because that's where the fun is. I wouldn't call last night's victory a Picasso. Not by any means. The Penguins got lucky when Cam Ward, the Canes goalie, just whiffed on that tying goal by Simone, which was a cream puff. Rustin D hooked up on a nice goal, which was D's first in the NHL. The kid went nutso to celebrate, which was fun to see. And then afterward, Mario came to congratulate D in the locker room, which was a great moment for D. Parlez-vous Francais and all. Phil's pass to Gensel was too sweet. My God, what hands on Phil. And you got the two points, which is the primary concern. The only concern right now. I don't know how long you ride to Smith. I would assume he starts tomorrow night at home against Minnesota, and why not? He's making good stops. The goalpost last night also made a couple good stops. I mean, is DeSmith playing to stay in Pittsburgh? What's at stake for him? We'll ask him what he thinks when he joins the program at 3.30. The Penguins still gave up too many odd man breaks for my liking. Matt Hunwick was terrible again. Does Hunwick get to keep playing every night no matter how bad he plays? Because that's certainly what it looks like. And I convinced more than ever that you can't put Sid, Gino, and Phil on separate lines. Each one has to do too much in that configuration. 
There's not enough complimentary talent. Mike Sullivan liked 2016 when the Pens did that with the HBK line and won the Stanley Cup. But in 2017, the Penguins didn't do that, and they still won the Stanley Cup. Sully just had more to work with in 2016. This is the Mark Madden Show. You like it, you love it, you want more of it. We got Casey DeSmith at the bottom of the hour. We got Mike Rupp at 415. We got Serbian reactionary days on Kovacevic at 530. Uh, Jack White has always been one of my favorite rock stars, but now I love him even more. Jack White is banning cell phones from his concerts. I don't know how Jack's going to enforce that because if you tell somebody to hand over the phone and they don't, then they could get a refund. I'm assuming, and rock stars, really entertainers of any sort, are crazy about giving back money that's already been paid them. But Jack White wants a, quote, phone-free, 100% human experience, unquote, and that's how it should be. Too many people blocking my view, filming a friggin' show like it's Gimme Shelter Part 2, and all they have is a stupid-ass camera phone that will show them later an inferior version of what they could have seen literally in living color at the concert. 412-333-9939. We're giving away more money this hour. That's probably never, ever going to stop. We'll talk about Todd Haley becoming the Cleveland Browns' new offensive coordinator. And Joe Thomas said something really interesting. That's the Browns' left tackle on ESPN today. Really interesting. And if he's not going to be the left tackle anymore, or even if he is, he should be the general manager. Because what he said about how to use the Browns' cap space and the first and fourth draft picks in the first round of this year's draft made absolute and total sense. We'll get to that just around the corner on 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Are you speaking from the inside of an electric razor? Yeah. Luke, I am your father. The X at 105.9. Here's a classic story courtesy of Mark Cabali of The Athletic. He's at the Pro Bowl. He's on Twitter. He goes up to Antonio Brown and says, hey, A.B., A.B. goes, hey, Mark, where do you want to do this? Cabali says, doesn't matter. Antonio Brown just walks away and doesn't do the interview. He's a jerk. Lev Bell's a jerk. Does anybody believe for a second that Mike Tomlin gave Lev Bell permission, as Lev Bell is claiming, gave Lev Bell permission to show up late for the walkthrough the night before the playoff game against Jacksonville? Lev Bell is suffering from liabilities. He is a hardcore liabetic. Oh, by the way, that story where Jack White, the rock star, ex of the White Stripes, isn't going to let people take cell phones into his concert so they can't spoil the experience by filming the concert. Spoil it for those who aren't filming the concert. Happens to me all the time. People hold up phones right in front of your face to film. There's a pouch that, that comedians use, like Dave Chappelle uses it because he doesn't want his shows filmed. On the way in, they put 
the phone in the pouch, your phone. They lock the pouch. They give you back the pouch so you still have your phone. It's not out of your possession. And then on the way out the door, they unlock the pouch and you get used to your phone back. That's brilliant. And I got a couple tweets. Well, what if my wife's pregnant? I need to hear from her if she goes into labor. If your wife's that close to labor, don't go to the Jack White concert. That's, I think, should be something I shouldn't have to explain to you. 412-333-9939. Seriously, that Cabali story, what a dink Antonio Brown is. Total ass bag. Here's a Talk Show 101 question. Who would you rather see win the Super Bowl, New England or Philadelphia? It's a cliched question, like I said, but New England wins all the time. What's one more time? Yeah, we're tying with Pittsburgh at six, but that's okay because the Steelers are going to win number seven next year. Tomlin's going to fix everything between now and then. I don't want Philadelphia to ever win anything. It's a scumbag tap. Look how those Nimrods behaved last week, before and after the game. They tore up their own town. I don't want New England to win, but I really want Philadelphia to lose. Todd Haley is officially the Cleveland Browns' new offensive coordinator. Joe Thomas, the all-pro left tackle for Cleveland, who may or may not come back from his elbow injury to play next year. Uh, Joe Thomas was on Golic and Wingo on ESPN. And he said the Browns should sign Kirk Cousins, the quarterback, sign him as a free agent because they got plenty of cap room and use the first and fourth picks of the draft on Saquon Barkley and whoever the best defensive player is. That certainly would be a path to quicker improvement. And you can see why Joe Thomas would want that. And maybe if the Browns do that, he won't retire and become the new color analyst on Monday Night Football as is being rumored. Uh, but I'm sure the Browns are going to draft the quarterback number one, and then Haley will wear him out, make him hate football. Haley's just a jerk. People don't like to work for jerks. Cabali said on Twitter that Ben took a bunch of veiled jabs at Haley when he did an interview uh, with Cabali at the Pro Bowl, so we'll get to those a little bit later on. At least Ben did the interview on, like, assbag Antonio Brown. That's what the A-B stands for with Antonio Brown. Assbag. Uh, the Penguins game didn't have a ton of entertainment value last night, beyond winning. You know, it's always a spectacle, though. When they play Cotton Eye Joe. They play Cotton Eye Joe and people dance and jump around and try to get on the Jumbotron because they act like getting on the Jumbotron would make them immune to cancer, impotence, and painful rectal itch all in one fell swoop. One, like, 10-year-old kid was dabbing so fast, he elbowed himself in the face. I think he had to go into concussion protocol. It'd be great to see the Pens beat Minnesota tomorrow and be 8-3 and on the month going into the All-Star break. I see some good signs, some. But we had a lot of false dawns with the Penguins so far this season. Some people are crowing because Ryan Reeves got scratched and the fourth line scored. But I think Reeves was playing fine. 
and you're going to need him when the division games pile up. Skates hard, plays hard, and doesn't take unnecessary minor penalties like a lot of tough guys do. I think Ryan Reeves is doing exactly the job he was brought in to do. I think D, Rust, and Kuhnhockel played great as a fourth line last night, but I think Simone is subpar, especially in the top six role on Sid's line. I just don't see him in that spot, even though Simone got that cream puff goal last night. You know who's doing okay? Not great, but okay. Riley Shane. Good for him. He got a helper last night. He's got four goals and 11 apples in 41 games with the Penguins. And that isn't sparkling, but he's passing the eye test and moving the puck and not sucking. Maybe that's the best we can hope for at third-line center. Not totally sucking. Ole Modem is practice today, just a maintenance day, according to head coach Mike Sullivan. Uh, Sully says he's talking with Matt Murray about when Murray wants to start playing again, but Murray spoke to the media and left no doubt that he wants to play ASAP tomorrow night, but I would think the Smith will play again. Uh, if you're worried about Hagelin not scoring, <laughs> consider TJ Oshie of the Washington Capitals. Oshie hasn't scored a goal in 12 games and has one goal in his last 21 games. The Capitals signed TJ Oshie to an eight-year deal worth $46 million, and he has stopped scoring. Yikes. I got a tournament coming up for roller hockey, deck hockey too. It's February 10th and 11th at Hot Shots Indoor Arena in Mount Pleasant. Adult divisions in both. Roller is with a ball, not a puck. All proceeds go to the Mario Lemieux Foundation. It's sponsored by Highmark. And I got room for a couple more teams in Roller and Deck, either one. If you're interested, email supergenius at wxdx.com. That's February 10th and 11th at Hot Shots in Mount Pleasance. Uh, it's indoor. It's a great facility. Email supergenius at wxdx.com. Sad news. Tinky Winky died. One of the Teletubbies. He collapsed and froze to death in the streets of Liverpool. Yes, Liverpool. He took that loss to Swansea even harder than I did. Casey DeSmith up next. 105.9 X. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. We welcome now to the program the Penguins' newest goaltending phenom. 34 saves and a big win last night over Carolina at PPG Paints Arena. It's Casey DeSmith. Uh, Casey, are you the number one goalie now? Where are you at on the depth chart? Because you've started three straight games. You must be number one. <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, my decision to be made. I'm just, you know, doing what I can every game. And then I'm just happy to get every start that I'm able to get here. The three in a row is definitely a thrill for sure. Well, so far, so good, uh, to be sure. And was last night your best game uh, to date? You seem very comfortable in that game. Um, I was really happy with my first game in L.A. I thought I made some really big saves in that one. I would say that was probably um, maybe my best game. And then, you know, last night, like you said, I felt comfortable. So, uh, you know, I've been happy with every game that I've played. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to get two wins out of the three. So things are going pretty well. When you were with the Penguins in October, uh, briefly, you played at Winnipeg in relief. 
and it was a rough night. The Jets got three goals on 15 shots. What are you thinking after that game? Because that was your first NHL game, uh, your big chance. It must have seemed catastrophic at the moment. Um, not necessarily. Uh, you know, for a goalie, coming in cold to begin with is pretty tough. And then, you know, to come in halfway through a game of that nature where a team's getting blown out on the road in a tough, in a tough environment in Winnipeg, uh, you know, I didn't think that that was "quote unquote" my shot. Um, you know, the coaching staff and you know management and people who have been around hockey for a long time they know how tough it is for a goalie to go in cold, and especially for that to be, um, you know, the NHL debut. I don't think that. Yeah, you know, I think Coach Sullivan after the game said that he knew how tough the situation it was, and um, obviously starting a game from a goalie's perspective is much different. Well, let's stay with that because the game at L.A. last week was your first NHL start. Talk about how different it is to start a game as opposed to coming on in relief because uh, I know every goalie prepares like he's going to play, but when you know you're going to start, it's different, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, the, pre- the preparation is much different and um, the comfortability level, You know, knowing that it's your game to play, uh, your game to prepare for, just all of that that goes into it. And then, you know, you, you get the shots and warm-ups, the majority of shots there. And by the time game time, you know, rolls around, you're feeling much more comfortable than if you've been sitting on the bench or in the tunnel for, you know, 35 minutes since you got a shot. And, you know, in warm-ups, maybe you get 10 shots as a backup goalie, 20 shots max. And, you know, then you're sitting around for 45 minutes and, you know, you haven't seen a puck. So... Coming in cold like that is tough for sure. So starting a game is is much easier generally for for goaltenders. Describe yourself as a goaltender, Casey. When you're playing well, what's going right? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, you know, I, I know for a fact that I'm a quick goalie. Uh, I rely on my legs to get me in the right position. Uh, you know, I'm not the biggest guy ever. That's for sure. So. I think I need that that lateral quickness to put myself in the best position to make saves. And as long as the goal is getting to the right spots, he tends to make his job a lot easier. So that's what I try and focus on. Um, I've always been pretty quick, uh, you know, with my legs and just getting to the right spots and trying to control rebounds. Uh, When I'm controlling my rebounds, that's generally when I feel like I'm playing my best, Um, trying to eliminate those second, third opportunities and just slowing the game down, getting some whistles, that kind of thing, it definitely settles me down when I'm able to um, kind of control the game from that standpoint. Now, you didn't play any organized hockey for a full year in 14-15, and then hooked on with wheeling in the ECHL. Did you play at all during that year away from organized hockey? I mean, men's league, whatever. And how did you wind up at wheeling? Uh, yeah, I did play a little bit um, of men's league, actually, in Newburyport, Mass. There's a men's league out of there. It's probably 45 minutes down the highway from me. And I played a little bit of men's league there just to, you know, get back on the ice. I skated with um, my local high school team a couple times, just stuff like that, you know, to get back out on the ice and, you know, not completely lose uh, feel for the game. And then uh, I got hooked on with wheeling the following year. I think that was mostly through Coach Buckley. 
Uh, right, the Penguins' I, current goaltending coach. Correct. Uh, I had worked with him in college. Um, you know, we were very close through my career at college at UNH. He was the goalie coach there. So he knew I was looking for a place to play. And as the at that time, he was the um, head goaltending development coach for the Penguins. And, you know, he, I guess, maybe advised the wheeling coach to sign me on and, and, you know, gave me high marks to him. And so the wheeling coach, who was Clark Donatelli, who's now the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton head coach, he signed me on there in wheeling. Now, what was it like at Wheeling? Uh, you weren't there long, but that is the low minors, Casey. Bus rides, low pay, the whole slap shot movie trip. I'm sure it's a lot of fun, but uh, what what are some of your memories from your, your time with the Nailers? Oh, boy. It was a struggle, for sure. Um, you know, I'm sure people aren't really familiar with uh, my time down there because, like you said, it's the low minors. You know, people don't generally don't pay attention to what's going on in Wheeling, and, and that's understandable. But uh, I had a tough time down there. I didn't play a game because we had three goalies in the in Wheeling there. So I didn't play a game for the Nailers for the first four months of the season. Um, I showed up, I practiced, I backed up for games, but I didn't get to start a game for uh, the first four months there. So it was tough. Uh, just getting my foot in the door, um, gaining you know the coach's confidence enough for him to actually play me. That was tough. I mean, that's that's tough for any player just to to be somewhere and show up to practice every day and not get a chance to play. I mean, that's why we play, right? It's to play in games. So it was definitely tough to to swallow that pill and just show up to the rink every day, you know, knowing that you're probably not going to play a game that weekend. So. Uh, it was definitely a struggle for the first part, but then once I got my shot, I was fortunate enough to play well and just kind of run with it, and, you know, st- things happen from there. We're talking to Casey DeSmith, Penguins goalie, here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9. Well, you've run pretty far with it so far, Casey, and as you mentioned, you played Division One college hockey at New Hampshire, so you've got a pedigree. And once you got to the AHL with Wilkes, you, you did well right away. Why was that jump so... Um, I don't want to say easy, Casey, but but look at your stats there. It went pretty seamlessly right away for you. Yeah, um, you know, I've taken pride in kind of being Mr. Consistent. Uh, if you look at my numbers through college and then, you know, even into wheeling when I actually got to play and then, you know, like you said, that jump right up to Wilkes Race Grand Penguins. My numbers are pretty consistent um, the whole way and, I feel like because I came up right before the playoffs and I believe Jari was up with the Penguins at that point, so I was kind of thrown right into the fire uh, with a three three games and three nights, which is very tough for any goalie, especially at that, you know, the professional level. Um, I think getting thrown right into the fire there and not really having, to, having any time to think was huge. And so I kind of elevated my game um, similarly to how I have here lately. And then uh, the playoffs started the weekend after that. So I was thrown right into the playoffs. And playoff hockey is unlike any other hockey. It's very exciting. It's, you know, faster pace, more intense. And so I guess the situations that I got thrown into there with the 3-3 and and then the playoffs, 
it almost forced me to elevate my game and have more focus. So, um, you know, thankfully I was able to do that. Do you feel like you can win a job in Pittsburgh for keeps with the way you're playing? I mean, what do you feel like you're playing for right now? Because it's certainly a crowded situation uh, here in Pittsburgh at goal. Oh, certainly it's, uh, you know, crowded. Uh, Murray, two-time Stanley Cup champion back-to-back, it's his job. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, anybody is going to agree with me on that. He is a fantastic goalie. And, you know, it's his job, that's for sure. And then you have Tristan, who's played really well, as, you know, as well when he's been up here this year. And he's a talented goalie, a very high high touted prospect and everything. So, you know, like you said, it's super, super crowded. And, I mean, honestly, I'm not thinking about winning any job. I'm just, when I get the nod for, uh, you know, for starting, starting a game, I just want to go out there and win. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. But there's two terrific goalies. Uh, already here in Pittsburgh, so you know I'm just happy to be able to start a couple of games. What's it like looking around the locker room and seeing Crosby, Malk, and Kessel, all these stars who have won two or three Stanley Cups apiece? Yeah, it was uh, you know a lot of it was a shock the first time I got on the ice, uh, first time I got called up to a real practice, and you know just seeing the guys around the locker room, seeing what their personalities are because. You know, I'm sure along with a lot of guys, I I wouldn't say grew up watching these guys, but I mean, in high school and college, when you're, you know, you you feel like you're kind of far away from the NHL, and you grow up and you know you watch these NHL guys, and you're like, wow, you know, these guys are the best of the best, and so to just be in the same locker room, be out on the same ice with them, get to see their personalities and how they conduct themselves, it's uh it's a lot to take in, but it's been a lot of fun. In the games you've played so far, Casey, what opponent were you most aware of? Like, holy heck, I'm playing against this guy. Uh, individual player? Yes. Talking about? Yes. Ooh, good question. Um, I think uh, Brett Burns. Um, Brett Burns would be the one who I would say, just because he's got you know that intimidating beard and he's a huge body and he's got that... Um, you know, that hard shot that everybody talks about. So I think the uh, the velocity he is able to get behind his shots was kind of like, you know, wow. He whizzed one by my ear in the second period, and I was like, that was maybe the hardest shot I've ever seen. And it went right by my face. So it's, uh, you know, just stuff like that. It's pretty cool. You know, the, the type of guy where people rave about how hard a shot is, and then, you know, to get one right by the ear is uh, pretty shocking. Casey, you dreamed about doing this for a long time, I'm sure. Is it like you thought it would be? It's better. It's better, for sure. Um, You know, I guess I'm the type of kid who I always wanted to, you know, grow up and play in the NHL, and then at a certain point, I kind of thought, like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I won't get to realize this dream that I have. I went through some some tough times and you know even in wheeling when i wasn't playing down there it's just the nhl seems incredibly far away and um so yeah to to have it come full circle and for me to actually find myself up here playing games and winning games it's better than i could have expected well casey thank you so much for taking the time i appreciate it uh congratulations on everything so far we'll see you at the rink tomorrow night 
Thanks so much, Mark. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. That's Casey DeSmith. Um, I'm assuming he starts tomorrow night, right? I mean, Sully called him the hot hand before he started last night. And he won. Only let up one goal. Kit's pretty good. Those first couple games, like that Winnipeg debacle in relief, I'll be blunt. I kind of wondered. Last night sold me, though. If you can come up from the sticks and play three good games in a row in this league, and I'll be very honest, especially doing so behind a team that is not exactly at the peak of defensive efficiency right now, you're showing something. I'm sold. I think he's the number three, but it's good to know you have a good number three. Might I invoke the name Jeff Zatkoff from a couple years back, who, by the way, just got traded to Columbus. Tell Torts we said hello. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got Mike Rupp to talk more hockey uh, next hour. And uh, I still don't have an answer to why the Steelers can't kick their players off social media. If you'd like to give it a try, dial 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. It's a rare chance for you to have a brush with greatness. Make the most of it. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Say, here's another great name from the past. The X at 105.9. There's another trailer out for the Death Wish remake, which stars Bruce Willis. I got to post it on the Mark Madden page the X website. It's really good. Uh, the Death Wish remake comes out March 2nd, and I can't wait. The director's Eli Roth, who has done all those gore movies, like the Hostel movies. He was uh, Quentin Tarantino's assistant director on Inglorious Bastards, in which he played the bear Jew, Donnie Donowitz. Did you get these medals for killing Jews? I got them for bravery. Whack! Baseball bat in the side of the head. Uh, I think Death Wish is going to be a great movie. And people are going to say it's too violent. But for the love of God, look around. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Uh, Like I said, I'm still waiting for someone to tell me why the Steelers can't kick their players off social media. Some of the Patriots are on social media. Okay, but they don't make a mess of it. The Steelers do. They make a mess of it. This isn't a freedom of speech issue. The Steelers should just make staying off social media a condition of employment. If a player makes money off social media, he still can. He just can't do it and play for the Steelers. And that social media money is chump change compared to football money. Just don't have an entourage, guys. Just don't pay for everything for all your friends. That's still very prevalent in pro sports, you know. Athletes who bring their friends along for the ride and pay for everything and wind up broke years later. Still very prevalent. Okay, John and Wexford is going to attempt to answer my question. John, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Good day, Mr. Madden. Right. Uh, so I agree with you in the uh, the idea that you should just keep them off social media and have a clause in their contract. But the only thing that struck me is maybe 
instead of it being a uh, a local resource to bring people into the stadium, is the well, the Steelers wouldn't kick themselves off social media. But I'm thinking it's to keep Steeler Nation alive, just just to keep people from around the country interested. Now they played uh, eight home games this year. How many of those weren't sold out? I want to say none. One. That's one right. None. No, none. They were all sold out. Every single Steeler game since Hinesfield opened in 2001 has been sold out. The string of sellouts for Steeler games dates probably back to Three Rivers Stadium in 1972. So I don't think the Steelers need their players on social media for help branding. What do you think? I Yeah, I, I don't think it's a, essentially for them. I think it's uh, this, is, this is a tough question because, you, you know, the Steelers are known across the nation. It's, it's, That's no what I hear, yeah. Um, the only thing I'm thinking is, is, in addition to the players getting to do what they want, and it is ridiculous, but in addition to that, the only thing I can think of is keeping that Steeler nation alive, you know, keeping the... Yeah, oh, okay, the they, it doesn't need life support by way of social media. So what you're telling me, Agreed. John, is that there is no good reason the Steelers can't tell their players to stay off social media. Is that correct? No, there, there really isn't. That was just the best That's right, there really isn't. Uh, I want to keep talking about the Penguins' win last night, and as noted, it was not a Picasso. But the Penguins have won 7 out of 10 this month, and beating Carolina was bigger than you might think. Because Carolina beat Pittsburgh for zip at PPG Paints Arena a couple weeks back. And if the Penguins would have lost last night, they would have been swept on the season series 3-0 by the last place team in the division, which is how you get to be the last place team in the division. Uh, Greta Van Fleet are doing a bunch of shows this summer. We got to get them in Pittsburgh. I'll have to travel to see him like I do every other friggin' group. Good, uh, you're going to be without me for a few days in February. I'll be going to see Robert Plant at the Beacon Theater in uh, New York City. Uh, at that show, Robert will do 10 or 11 Led Zeppelin songs. And in interviews before and after the show, he will talk about how he never wants to play with Jimmy Page again. Ordinarily, I'd say he's doing it so he can keep all the money. But Robert Plant plus Jimmy Page equals Madison Square Garden for multiple nights. Robert Plant with a bunch of old buskers equals Beacon Theater. And I'm actually very happy to go to the Beacon Theater. It's a legendary rock venue. Home based for the Allman Brothers when they played New York multiple nights. Night after night for years and years. And I never saw the Almonds play there. Actually, I only saw the Almonds once. I saw Greg Allman more often. As I've explained before, I prefer Greg Allman solo because he just plays the songs with all that, that grateful dead noodling, which honestly, when any group does it, drives me absolutely berserk. In 30 seconds, the Baseball Hall of Fame announces its new class at 6 p.m. tonight, and I'm going to tell you how and why they're going to F it up. But first, you go with a thousand bucks. You know the drill. Listen, keyword, text it, win a thousand dollar bribe. 1059 the X.